This podcast is primarily recorded on the traditional territories of the Huron-Wendat and Haudenosaunee peoples, in Cataraqui, or Kingston by its colonial name. We center the rightful stewards of this land in order to unsettle our fight for collective liberation. Hello! Welcome to episode 13 of Queer Muslim Resistance, a podcast from Oprah Kingston. My name is Maha, and I'm one of your co-hosts. This week, I chat with Sari about the interplay between culture and religion, Maghrebian, Tunisian, diaspora communities, and being Muslim enough. My co-hosts Taylor and Nicole join me afterwards for a debrief. But before I introduce you to the wonderful Sari, a few announcements. We're hosting our first Queer Muslim Zoom gathering this Ramadan on Monday, May 3rd, 2021 at 5 p.m. EST. We bring you Queer Ramadan Resistance, a virtual hang slash talk space. We'll all talk through a series of prompts and checking questions to share what Queer Muslim Resistance means to us and to share how we can engage with God, the earth, and each other through rest and resistance this Ramadan and beyond. We do not assume all Muslims fast from food or drink or at all, or that we are all in the same time zone, so you're welcome to eat and drink as you please. If you're interested in joining us, please do send us a DM on Instagram at Queer Muslim Resistance for the invite link. And we are on Patreon. We have three different membership levels where you can pledge to support us financially with either five, 10, or 15 Canadian dollars a month. Please do share this widely and consider providing your support if possible. Visit patreon.com slash queer Muslim resistance. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash queer Muslim resistance. And without further ado, let's get to me and Sari's conversation. Hello, Sarah. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, very excited, and very grateful for this opportunity that you're giving me. And I'm thankful that you're here today to share your stories and ideas and just whatever you'd like to share. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your pronouns, your background, where you're based and anything else? Sure. Um, I have a little introduction for you if you want. Um, my name is Sarah, but I like people to call me Sari. I think that's a bit more gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. I am an 18-year-old environmental and social advocate. I am currently based in Brussels, Belgium. Uh, I'm at my parents' house due to COVID, but I'm actually enrolled in a bachelor's of political science in Amsterdam. It's just I can't go because of COVID, as I said. Um, Next year, I'm adding to that bachelor's a minor of gender and diversity. Those are things that I'm really passionate about. I have three nationalities. I am Spanish, Tunisian, and Belgium. Uh, But ethnically speaking, I'm half Southern European from my mom's side. So I'm white. Mm -hmm. And I am uh, North African from my dad's side. So I'm what people would call Arab or Maghrebian. Thank you for that. Um, So let's get right into the first question. What role has Islam had in your life thus far? That is a very interesting question. Um, So I grew up half of my life in Tunisia, actually, which means that I was in a mostly Muslim and Arab slash Maghrebian environment. My mom is Christian and my dad is Muslim. 
um, and they taught me all they knew and all they could about both religious religions, sorry, um, in a but though in a in a spiritual way more than a cultural way, they always I am very grateful for that, and I they always try to make me understand the difference between the cultures behind um, everything that I'm learning and um, and religions. So that's something that is lacking, in my opinion, in our community. As, uh, for example, in Tunisia, mm-hmm. people uh, too often can't make the comparison between what religion is or what Islam is telling you to do or, as I said, a spiritual guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and they too often can't make the separation between religion and culture, mm-hmm. which is something that my parents try to really highlight in me. So really to make that difference mm-hmm. because that was freeing in some way. Yeah. Um, I didn't really care about religion until recently, to be honest. Although my parents are people of faith, uh, they're more religious at heart than practicing Muslims mm-hmm. and uh, Christians, because my mom is Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it has actually, my curiosity peaked when my grandma passed away last year. So my paternal grandma, uh, my, my dad's mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was very... I, I loved her very much. I'm pretty sorry that she passed away, but she was very sick. But um, I think at that moment when she passed away and I was immersed because I was in Tunisia at, at that time, I was immersed in the religious parts or the religious, yeah, the religious part of, uh, of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that piqued my interest in, in some way. Um, made made my interest peak. So since that moment, I have been very curious about Islam. And, um, but I'm not a per se practicing Muslim. So I don't fast for mental health reasons. Mm -hmm. I don't go to the mosque every Friday. um, But I do take interest and inspiration in Islam, and sometimes pray as a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. So that's how my relationship with Islam and my relationship with, um, with Allah and uh, yeah, with, with the religion is Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So it has been evolving. And I think for, for most of us, it is, and it still is. Um, But that's, but that's how my relationship is right now with Islam. Mm -hmm. You said you take inspiration from Islam. Do you mind kind of expanding a little bit more on that? Yeah. Um, So I take inspiration in Islam in a positive way <laughs> because I know that a lot of people, unfortunately, kind of misinterpret things that are written in the Quran. And we've seen that in the last couple of decades, unfortunately. So in the name of God, they're killing people, which is not what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, inspiration since last year, as I said, has been mostly meditative for myself it's maybe a little bit selfish but um it is to make myself feel better so if i am trying to understand what is going on in my life i try to find inspiration in the quran 
to see what I should or what I can do. Um, of course, the Quran is not dictating me how I should feel because that's you know a human thing to to do. Like everyone feels a different way, but the Quran could guide me in in some form. So that's how I have been inspired by the Quran thus far, mm-hmm. and I hope to. I have read the Quran before, not the entirety. I think a lot of Muslims haven't, and a lot of people in general haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am trying to reread the parts that I read and read the other parts that I haven't read um, to have my own interpretation and my own positive interpretation of Islam because I know that God wants us, Allah wants us to interpret Islam in a positive way and in a way that makes us feel good and makes us be better versions of ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's selfish to want to meditate and like be self-reflexive and to be want to get through this world in the best possible way for you and for others. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to to think of, of it as a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I have, as I said, very open-minded uh, parents. Mm-hmm. And I have surrounded myself when I go to Tunisia. And I have surrounded myself with very open-minded Muslims mm-hmm. and very kind Muslims um, who have a different who who follow a different version of practicing islam than others generally in tunisia mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving the example of tunisia because it's it's where i've been and where i lived mm-hmm. so my best friend i know her since she is we, we were one year old and mm-hmm. she still lives in in tunisia she's half tunisian half algerian mm-hmm. and she is very much um into Islam she is very convinced of it and um, I admire her for that to be honest Mm -hmm. because something that I think we should change is how we teach about um, our religion because in in schools so it's it's um it's mandatory in Tunisia to learn about the Quran. I'm, I'm sure in, in many other uh, Muslim countries too, mm-hmm. but it is mandatory, which I think is a, is a good thing and a bad thing. So first of all, you don't ha- you can't force someone to be Muslim or religious, but mm-hmm. I do think it's a good thing because again, if you use it as as a, a spiritual guidance, then you're gonna make a lot of more people just dive into the Quran when they need help instead of doing things to harm themselves or harm harm others. Um, And as I said, as I said, uh, the relationship that I'm trying to have with, with these people that are kind is not only building a relationship for ourselves because, you know, relationships um, regardless of religion, when they're not making you feel good and when they're not making the world a better place in a way or Mm -hmm. your environment a better place, then it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. But I am very lucky to have had this. I think it's some, some um, higher force. I don't know if for Mm -hmm. 
for for Muslims it's Allah for others it's it's the universe but I do think that it's that I have attracted her into my life and I she has attracted me into hers Mm -hmm. so she knows that I'm a queer person she Mm -hmm. knows that I'm all these sorts of not quote-unquote normal things in Tunisia Mm -hmm. um, or in our culture and she accepts it so much like when I told her I wasn't even afraid of telling her because um because I knew she wouldn't she wouldn't judge me I think that's something that she learned from Islam and that Mm -hmm. I hope more people learn from Islam is that we are no one to judge um the only one who will judge us at the end of the day is Allah Mm -hmm. um or the universe, as you want to call it, it depends on the person who is listening to this. But yeah, so when you're having a relationship, a friendship with some people that are giving you more positivity than negativity, they're not here to shame you, they're not here to hate on you, mm-hmm. then then you're becoming a better version of yourself and a better version of of yeah, a better version of yourself and a better version of, of your own um, beliefs, I think, and your mm-hmm. own values. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think that's something that I like in her and I like in a lot of Muslims, as I see on you guys' platform and I see in other uh, platforms. I follow this, this Instagram that is called Progressive Values for Muslims, I think, mm-hmm. or something like that. And I have learned so much from them. And we are still a minority. I think you live in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. So we are still a minority in countries like Canada or Europe. And we are too often shamed for our culture and for our religion. And we have to to challenge that in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's their job not to be Islamophobes and not to be... Um, and not to be racist but I think a big part of it for ourselves and for our own well-being is to really respect each other because I have seen too often people use their own religion whether it's Islam or Christianity or any other uh, religion they have tried to use that to shame others and Mm -hmm. that's not something that I want Mm -hmm. so instead of for example Muslims um, just hating on each other because another Muslim person is queer and Mm -hmm. they're allowed to be um, queer and Muslim of course Mm -hmm. so instead of hating on each other especially when that person that queer Muslim person is twice as minority as you because you're Muslim yes um, and I'm not only talking. I'm not talking about the color of your skin because there are some Muslims who are more white passing. There are Muslims who are white. There are Muslims who are uh, black, etc. But I'm talking only about the perspective of being Muslim and being queer. Mm-hmm. So if you, instead of hating on each other, you just find a way to join forces and join love and join um, joy in a way, mm-hmm. then I think you can make the world a better place by accepting each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. something that I, yeah. <laughs> that leads in so nicely to the next question. 
Um, yeah, I kind of tried to make it make it that way. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So, as queer Muslims, I know many of us have complex and complicated relationships with finding and belonging in community, whatever that looks like to us. What has that relationship been like for you? Um, as I said, since I grew up, being able to make the clear distinction between cultural norms and religion, I honestly never, never doubted that Islam didn't accept queer or questioning people I mm-hmm. for me it didn't make sense mm-hmm. um, because for me I was taught that religion was a very uh, spiritual thing and not something that was supposed to tell you what to do or who to be it mm-hmm. was just something that was helping you to as I said become better versions of yourself or if you need any spiritual guidance, then you can go read the Quran or read the Hadiths or um, pray or do whatever you need uh, that the that Islam or any religion can give to you mm-hmm. and, and offer you in a way. Mm-hmm. So I and I also thought that the relationship one has with religion and with Allah is very personal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I have a say in anyone else's relationship with Allah and Islam or their religion and I don't like other people to interfere with my own relationship um and especially when I'm not harming anyone and when I'm not harming myself so I truly believe and I truly think that being queer is not harming anyone and it's not harming myself Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people will agree with me on that um so I don't owe an explanation to anyone and nobody owes an explanation to me. Mm-hmm. Again, as long as they're not hurting themselves or they're not hurting others. Mm-hmm. Um, because in my beliefs, if you're hurting yourself or you're hurting others intentionally, then you're not really following the words of Islam or you're not following the, the words of, of Allah. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that makes a little bit of sense yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um have you found much like do you rely on other queer muslims to kind of validate your own self sense of self or like what has your relationship to finding people who accept you and people who you accept and like just building community what's that been like for you i think that I'm not trying myself to build a community. I'm trying to find other communities where I can fit because mm-hmm. I know they're existing, fortunately, because we're in 2021 and there's social media and there are many people who are open about their queerness and their Muslim identity. Um, so I haven't tried to create a, a space I have tried to create a safe space for other Muslims who have opened up to to me and said that, you know, I'm I'm queer and I'm trying to find myself in in um in the queer spectrum or in the Muslim community or Arab or Maghrebian community or Middle Eastern community, whatever, wherever you're from. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I have tried actively to make my environment a safe space for them. Mm-hmm. So just being a compassionate ally mm-hmm. and a LGBTQIA plus person. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I, since, again, since we're in 2021 and there are so many resources and I'm very grateful for that. When someone asks me a question about being queer and being Muslim, I just refer to them to the multiple research that has been made by queer Muslims or by other um, professionals uh, who are writing about the reality of what the Quran says about being queer. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm not relying on other queer Muslims to to kind of accept myself. No, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I knew I was queer since I was 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be a young age for some, mm-hmm. that might be old for others. But uh, I first came out as bisexual slash pansexual mm-hmm. to my mother. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I haven't come out yet to my, to my dad, but he kind of knows because we've had these conversations in a way. Um, so he knows without knowing, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And, um, but I'm open to, I'm, I've come out to my my friends my muslim friends my arab friends and i'm very open on my social media so if anyone wants to know they'll gonna they're gonna have the 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 information on 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 instagram because i'm very open about that but i don't engage in conversations and i don't introduce myself or i don't feel the need to come out to other people Mm -hmm. i do believe that i feel more seen and more heard when I see others, um, it makes me feel joy. It doesn't make me feel worth it because I knew that I'm that I was a worth. I'm, I was worth it of, of joy and love in, in this in this world, mm-hmm. um, and that I was worth much more than people believed I was worth. Mm-hmm. But but again, reading books, I I have a couple of books near me that I wanted to talk about. Um, I think since I've been questioning, not in a bad way, but I, I've been trying to rediscover Islam since last year. Mm-hmm. I read this book called Life as a Unicorn. I don't know if you read it, but mm-hmm. it's uh, written by Amru Al-Qadi. I think that's how you pronounce it. They, they are a non-binary a gay Muslim drag queen cool. who live in yeah who lives in um in london right now but they're originally from iraq mm-hmm. and they wrote a book uh it's an autobiography but at the end there's a chapter where they take the time to talk about their relationship with with islam and especially what sayings or what um surahs in the in the quran they have been feeling heard and seen by Mm-hmm. Um, so they speak about the fact that Allah made us all different mm-hmm. and Allah wouldn't make us if he didn't think that we were worth living on this earth and mm-hmm. were worth of love and all of that. Um, so Amru really opened my eyes on this new way of thinking in Islam Mm-hmm. there's only one religion in my opinion but there are multiple ways of interpreting it and there are multiple ways of um, practicing it so being compassionate to others as i said mm-hmm. with your friends or with strangers being compassionate to others and um and really learning about others who are under the same 
umbrella or who have similar backgrounds Mm -hmm. is really freeing and it has also really helped me understand myself my culture and my religion in a way Mm -hmm. because I know that Islam the way it has been taught um is kind of oppressing to to be Mm -hmm. honest um when I used to go to the Madrasa Qur'aniya, which is the school to where you learn about the Qur'an and all of that, um, people, the teachers were shaming me and not only me, but others. They were shaming us for doing this or doing that. Mm-hmm. Instead of really teaching us why we should love or why we should respect um islam and why we should choose islam saying you know this is (laughs) there's a lot of beauty in islam and instead of excuse me instead of of showing us that they're showing us how to be fearful Mm -hmm. of allah and that's something that i'm trying to challenge and i that's something that a lot of people are trying to challenge Mm -hmm. because we don't want to feel oppressed by someone we're supposed to love you know god Mm -hmm. allah um, and that doesn't really make sense that we're being oppressed by, I mean, we're not oppressed by by him, but mm-hmm. through the words of others, um, others are trying to make us feel oppressed by Allah for being this way or for behaving that way. When really, in other words, they're trying, they're, in other words, they're also saying that Allah loves us all and is there to pardon us when we do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where i think a lot of muslims who muslim borns and who grew up muslim Mm -hmm. muslims have been feeling lost and i'm really sad about that because i know that this religion is full of love and acceptance and Mm -hmm. it's very colorful (laughs) colorful in a Mm -hmm. lgbtqia plus way (laughs) Mm -hmm. um it's very friendly and it's not how it's being portrayed Mm -hmm. by us and especially by multi, uh, like international media, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So they're trying to portray, portray us as oppressed people and people who oppress. And I think that's something we need to challenge. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that we, that we can do that in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to do with my platform to show that, show that um, Islam is really a a loving religion and that you can take inspiration whether you're muslim or not you can take inspiration in our in our religion so yeah so you said to me previously that you use the love and compassion described in the quran as spiritual guidance for your activism can you talk to me a little bit more about that sure um yeah as i said before for my own health and well-being um i have like many others tried to find spiritual guidance to feel better more joy and become better versions of of myself and of Mm -hmm. ourselves in general it's thanks to queer and feminist uh, muslims Mm -hmm. that i have found a new version of islam that was in my opinion better for me and more suited for me Mm -hmm. i know that you have an episode about this specifically and that also, I mean, your show and other queer Muslim shows have been helping me to understand 
my my identity and where I fit in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say a better version of Islam for myself, I don't mean the Islam because as I said, Islam, there's only one, but there are multiple ways to practice it. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently read the book, as I said, Life as a Unicorn. They write about their own evolving relationship with Islam and that made me feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started opening up to this new version of practicing my religion, I found a lot of sorts of joy and inspiration that guided and in a way forged my activism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am trying, so I read the book at the end of 2020. So that was mm-hmm. a month and a half ago. And since then, I'm trying to read more books from queer Muslims specifically, but also Muslim feminists who are trying to change this vision of patriarchal Islam Mm -hmm. and making it more open to women, non-binary folks, trans folks, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I have been trying to do and the spiritual guidance for me is to know that I have a like for me joy and and happiness and well-being comes from knowing that whenever I'm feeling bad which is allowed of course I have to allow myself to feel bad sometimes and it's something that is very natural and human so whenever I feel bad and not only then but specifically when I feel bad I have a place to go like whether it's physically go to the mosque or have conversations with these open-minded Muslim people that are accepting of me and of my identity and of my life, of my background, um, or read the Quran or any other books written by progressive Muslims. I say progressive because I don't really think for me, it's. I really don't want to read books written by people who are trying to shame me or trying to feel, trying to make me feel not valid. Mm -hmm. I I don't know why anyone would do that to Mm themselves. So yes, so I am trying to read more books, as I said, and listen to more podcasts. And I'm very grateful for your podcast and for many other podcasts Mm -hmm. who are trying to make other people feel better and feel, um, and have a sense of community, as I, as you said before. And yeah, so that spiritual guidance is a daily thing. But so whenever I am feeling a bit tired, I'm listening to the Quran and I'm trying to just because it is beautiful Mm -hmm. and um, it and because in a way it makes me directly or directly makes me feel better. Um, But not only that, but you know, whenever I'm feeling bad because someone made a bad comment, I try to read the Quran to really see what Allah meant and not what they think Allah meant. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's something that I'm trying to do on a daily basis. I'm trying to follow more Instagrams, Instagram accounts of um, progressive Muslims who are trying to interpret Islam in a more joyful way, as I said. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something that I'm trying to do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then what does being at peace with yourself and others mean to you? That's a good, strong question. Um, being at peace with myself is knowing that 
I am worth of all the love in the world. Mm-hmm. And that is not going to change because of my queer identity or because of my um, ethical background or because of my, the languages I speak. It's not going to change as long as I know that I am worth all the love in the world because we're in a society, we're in different societies. The whole world has been thinking for so many years that white people are white heterosexual cis um christian people mm-hmm. <laughs> have been are better than than all of the others that aren't so whether you're a cis heterosexual black man you're less worth of love and less worth of your own power than white people so that is something that we also need to challenge but i've never doubted it mm-hmm. um although i am not i haven't i haven't been told that my my life doesn't matter because i'm not a black person i'm not a person of color um i'm mostly white passing although when i have my big afro people are more reluctant in that way but um i am a white passing person and i am half white so i have a lot of privilege and i haven't been told directly on the streets just because i existed that i didn't matter and that my life didn't matter and i did i wasn't worth of of good things so i never doubted that some people tried to make me doubt that um very few again because i'm privileged and i am a um a cis passing person if that makes sense <laughs> um i'm not a cis person but people mistake me for being a cis person so i don't have those comments of oh you're wearing that or you're doing that or that is too masculine or feminine or whatever that means for you to to wear or to say um in that matter i i don't think i don't think i, I ever doubted myself um or anyone else so that for me is being at peace with myself knowing that i am much more worth than what people think or say and i am valid as long as i think i'm valid mm-hmm. um and being at peace with others is really <laughs> live and letting live right mm-hmm. um as again as long as they're not harming anyone physically or mentally then live and let live for anyone who says they are muslim and queer what's wrong with that for me there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. um and even for allah there's nothing wrong with that in my opinion mm-hmm. um that is what being at peace with others means to me really living and letting live it's something that i haven't done all my life i wasn't as compassionate as i am try i'm trying to be now mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of unlearning to do and a lot of new learning to do mm-hmm. and that's thanks to intersectional activists that i that i've seen and that i learned from on social media mm-hmm. and books that i read and tv shows and films that i've seen that are trying to be as intersectional as possible mm-hmm. um and i'm not this perfect person and i'm i don't want to be perfect but i want to be a good person a compassionate person and i want to let others live um freely 
I don't know who said this, but someone said, I don't know if it's religious in any way, but I don't know if it's a philosopher who said it, but they said your freedom or your liberty stops whenever someone else is, is, you know, interrupted with, and if that makes sense. So you're free until you're intervening in someone else's freedom. So you're stopping someone else from being free. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, if I'm harming anyone, then I have the liberty to uh, harm that person, but not really. That doesn't, it's not freedom if I am stopping them from being free. Mm-hmm. So I believe in that. And what my best friend and her mother have told me whenever I have been trying to understand my queer identity and how where it fits in Islam, they've always told me, we're always going to accept you because Islam means to us not hurting yourself and not hurting others. Mm-hmm. As long as you're doing that, then you're, you're worth our, all of our love and you're worth all of the good things in life. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So in our previous correspondence, you've also said to me that collective healing means aiming for a just world. I love that idea of having aims and visions and dreams. How do you practice or manifest towards queer Muslim futures in your daily life? Being an advocate and being an activist, whatever that means for each person, because some people are activists in their own ways, Mm -hmm. whether it's engaging in conversations with your family or engaging in conversations on social media, that's also, that's talking about, you know, when you're talking about justice, then, then you're doing something, something right. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nothing wrong with not being present on social media or not doing what other things, what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. So, For me, envisioning futures, whether that's a form of manifestation, right? Manifesting what you want in life, whether it's when you're praying um, or whether it's something that you do because you're not religious. um, That is something that brings you a lot of hope and faith in, in the future. And it's something that makes not only you feel better, but I believe in energies. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're putting up when you're whenever you're thinking of a of a better future for yourself and for the justice of uh, uh, justice of all mm-hmm. you're putting out a lot of good energy in the world and you're good, putting up a lot of hope in the world if you don't really believe in a just world and you don't be, really believe that the future is going to be good for all or most of us hopefully then i don't know what the point in living is i mean i'm not yeah. trying to be so i'm not trying to be dramatic but i think a beautiful thing of our that we have is that we have a mind that allows us to to create and to envision a future re, whether it's realities or future um, I don't know, imaginations. I have read also a book, Emergent Strategies, mm-hmm. and it's also by a non-binary person. They're, I don't think they're Muslim though. Um, and they talk about the importance of just envisioning and putting up the word and 
sharing hope and sharing faith because that vision truly comes true whenever you're putting the work or whenever you're putting the word because the work is not only physical but it's also spiritual in my opinion so really believing in in a more just future already is the first step to take or the first step to make and collective healing as a way of you know collective healing can happen if 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 there's one of us who is struggling in life um this might sound a little bit communist but i do believe that um a lot of people i think that uh, the society that we live in and the structure that we live in is benefiting from the oppression of others so mm-hmm. if you're a white person um that you like it or not, you're benefiting from the oppression of other people. Mm-hmm. That you're, if you're hetero, uh, heterosexual, the same thing. If you have all these privileges, then you are uh, directly and or indirectly benefiting from this. So mm-hmm. really fighting against this um, system, whether it's by spreading love or whether it's by politically engaging in the change, um, it is really beneficial for all of us and it's gonna bring collective healing if you only care about yourself and of course you have to care about yourself i'm not saying that you should put everyone's everyone else's um interests before yours but whenever you're whenever you're you're listening to others whenever you're giving importance to what others are saying um and their problems, because a lot of us are trying to erase other people's problems, Mm -hmm. because we think that our problems are more important than theirs, Mm -hmm. then that's a, that's an issue that we can't do. So collective healing means, means to me, whenever someone else is in need of something, trying to help them in a way, and that comes also from Islam. Um, And that is something that I that, that's something that I took as a source from, from Islam because it's something I'm pretty sure you're going to agree with me and a lot of people are going to agree with me that Islam always tells you if you're seeing someone that is hurting or someone that is um, that needs help, always offer help for help. If they don't take it, then it's their problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, God, Allah says that we should always offer help whenever we can mm-hmm. um, because that helps others and it helps ourselves feel better. And uh, and I am completely ignoring what people say about heaven and hell because mm-hmm. um, as a person who has been struggling with my mental health, that doesn't help at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people will agree with me that, you know, telling yourself, I think, yeah, uh, calculating everything that you do in your life, whether it's gonna, it's to please God or to please or to be, to go to heaven or to go to hell. It's not something that um, that is gonna make you happy. But if you do it naturally, because Allah because you're following the words of Allah and because you're mm-hmm. following Allah's guidance, then that's going to make you feel better and it's going to make you feel um, joy because you're helping others and you're helping yourself in some way. 
I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like that focus on like, I must do this to get to heaven makes your actions selfish and not for the right reasons. Exactly. Right? And like, if you're doing it not to get into hell, then like, that's just operating off this fear-based approach, which yeah. isn't always helpful. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's not, it's not what God wants and it's not what you want in the end. And it's not what other people want. So if you're trying to make, if you're trying to create collective healing, then do something that is going to benefit all of us in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that um, if you're able to be compassionate and if you're doing the work to be compassionate, then I'm very proud of you. Um, if you want to connect with me and you want to DM me sharing your story, I'm always open to that. Um, I'm not I'm not a therapist. I can't help you in that way, but I'm very happy always to listen to other people's stories and to feel heard and to feel seen and to hear others and see others to make them feel valid if they need to but they're always valid um as i said because queer muslims are valid always Mm -hmm. yeah is there anything else that you'd like folks to take away from your stories and what you've said today on the podcast i just think that people i i hope that people find spiritual guidance in islam more than guidance as in what you have to do every second of your life that's not what it is um for me at least mm-hmm. and i hope people i think the dalai lama says this um he's buddhist but it's i think islam and buddhism are actually very similar in a way mm-hmm. um the dalai lama says if we take if we take religion as a spiritual guidance instead of what we call religion nowadays mm-hmm. then all of us are going to be happier and we are going to find collective healing, as you said. Mm. Um, And I hope people don't lose that hope. And I hope that people can learn from these experiences that I shared and from all of the experiences that have been shared on your podcast and on other, other, and other podcasts and other social media platforms. And if you need anything you know that you can find me and if you need anything there are many other people who can who you can talk to mm-hmm. um, and yeah that's the beauty of social media in some ways there are some negative things but there are some positive things too mm-hmm. so yeah yeah where can folks find you on social media so i i recently honestly recently it's like yesterday i posted my first uh podcast episode it's the podcast itself is called living earthlings Mm -hmm. and i wanted to center the whole um podcast talking about to talk about intersectional activism whether it's environmental activism or social activism so indigenous rights lgbtqia plus rights mm-hmm. um whether it's any other form of activism for social or environmental um justice mm-hmm. so i am trying to make that podcast as accessible as possible i'm still trying to translate translations take so long but i'm still trying to translate into arabic french spanish and english uh they're not all all going to be translated audio but they're going to be translated in 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 a website Mm -hmm. so i posted yesterday the first episode and it's about living sustainably in tunisia Mm 
and I have this conversation with this lovely person who lives in Tunisia, uh, who lives between Tunisia and France, and who talks about the importance of caring for our planet in Tunisia. And the first episode is in Arabic, so I'm pretty. I'm not saying that every Muslim person in this world speaks Arabic, but I know that a majority does. So if you do want to listen to it, then you can find me, find it. And I'm on Instagram also. It's at Sari Halara, which is S-A-R-I-H-E-L-L-A-R-A. And again, you can send me messages about anything. You can share your stories. And I'm very grateful for this opportunity that you gave me that, um, that people give me every time they sent me a message or saying, I'm very happy that I saw your content on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very happy to have the opportunities that I have on this planet. And I'm trying to open these opportunities to other people that couldn't find them on their own or didn't have them because they were, they didn't have the privilege that I did. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time and your efforts and all the things. I'm really looking forward to listening to other episodes and to listening to other stories. And, uh, and it was a, a great joy of mine to be here with you today. Hello, Taylor and Nicole. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hello. So what did y'all think of the episode? Um, when we were, like, Maha and I were listening to the recording together over Zoom, because it's just easier. Um, and I kept being like, they are 18. They are 18. Like it tripped me out too a little bit. So insightful. And also I just think like to top it off, like they grew up in like the community, like I was saying to Maha, like they grew up in what we are looking for. Like that's the future we want. We're looking for like kind, compassionate people. And it must be so incredible to be able to be like, I'm not looking for a community, but I'm looking for more community. Because mm -hmm. I have a community. And I think that's really beautiful. I just really enjoyed listening to Sorry. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. Um, so, Nicole, when we were talking about, or when we were listening to the episode together previously, um, you were really interested in the aspects of uh, like Islam, where we are taught and encouraged to learn the recitation by heart. Oh, yeah. Because I was saying, like, I went to Catholic school, right? Like, for my mm. whole life. Um, and I might not be religious, but I have that experience. I'm like, at least from my experience, there is no way I don't know, like a single passage from the Bible and it's not an important thing. And so I found like what I was saying to Maha was like, at least then when you know the Quran, you know what you're being told and you're able to find the beauty in that. Whereas like, mm -hmm. Catholic school, you're just being like, Jesus said this and you read, like you truly, I learned the, um, Beatitudes like 18 years in a row or the stations of the cross, like you're not actually taught like what God said. And I just, I think it's really important and really beautiful that if you're going to be in a schooling system that is supposed to surround that, that you actually get taught mm -hmm. the actual literature of it. Does that make sense? Cause yeah. there was, there was such like a, it, like um, it was so important to go to Catholic school and like, you know, we were the crusaders or whatever, but we were never taught what that meant. We were never taught, uh, obviously the crusaders wouldn't be in the bible but we were never taught like what those things are and i just think that like if i were able to have learned the bible then maybe i would believe in it more mm -hmm. whereas like as an adult because i have i already have like 
a bias. I don't particularly want to go through and read the Bible, but I can read the Quran. And as an adult, I can like, or as an adult or a child, like when you're learning it, you learn the words and you have your own, like, you're able to take what you read or what you hear and take from it what you need and like interpret Mm -hmm. it in your own ways. Whereas like when what you're not being, when you're just reading a passage really quickly and then having to talk about it or being just like not even taught what was actually said, you can't make your own interpretation of that literature. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously like there's issues with the interpretations of everything, but yeah, that was my thought. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you talk about like this idea of when, when you get to read and know and learn by heart and just engage really thoroughly and deeply with something, then you're able to make sense of it for yourself. Um, But like, it's really interesting. Um, Someone messaged um, us on the Instagram account actually um, about, or asking if we could talk more about the Arabization of Islam. And I think that's, I don't think we'll get too much into that today, but I just kind of wanted to bring that up as a thing where um, we're taught to, in Islam, we're taught to um, respect the original, the original text in Arabic, um, which is very important, I think. And there isn't always that much emphasis on learning something in your own language, at least in the way that I was taught it. Um, like in English translations weren't necessarily the most um, the most necessary for us to learn. It was more so a focus on learning the sounds and the ways of pronouncing and reciting the Quran in Arabic rather mm-hmm. than necessarily understanding what it means. And like, I just remember, um, I remember as a child, like thriving in Islamic studies classes because I loved, like I was a goody two shoes and as a child, I tended to, you know, respect authority. And so um, when we were supposed to learn how to say things by heart in Arabic, I thrived off of that. I loved learning things and then being able to recite slash regurgitate them to my teacher. But you don't speak Arabic and you don't really, yeah, okay, I see where you're coming from now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so we're going to link this article called The Arabization of Islam in the episode description for folks who are interested to read more on that. And, you know, I think this conversation, exactly what you said, Nicole, in Christianity, we're not I mean, there are some people who will quote the Bible, okay? Like, there are some people who will say, this is my favorite Bible passage, whatever. Like, there are some Christians out there. But it's definitely not prioritized learning of the words and, and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I I know I know what you mean, um, absolutely, because that's why I was like, I've gone to Catholic school since grade two to grade 12. You, you would think you would know if that was like a priority, but absolutely. There are some people who also from that experience might know parts of the Bible. I just mean, it wasn't like very focused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also think what's, what surprised me perhaps Maha in when, you know, I started getting to know you and your relationship to Islam is people who are not taught um, to understand the Quran in their language, whether that's like learn and read it in Arabic. And there's a difference because obviously if you're reading the original Arabic, you may not understand what's written, whether you speak Arabic or not, right? Um, Versus recitation and uh, being able to 
saying or speak the 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 book um it's the same thing it's it's the exact same thing in in the sense of you can practice something you can even be able to recite it doesn't mean you understand what you're saying it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you know the words that you you know the mess the message of of the mm-hmm. words you can't necessarily point to a passage and 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 read it to understand it you can read it phonetically um but comprehension is is just not there mm-hmm. and so i feel like the outcome is the exact same in the sense of you're not really encouraged to have a personal relationship with the text you're not encouraged to have a personal understanding of the text and to ask questions of your understanding of the text beyond just what is you know touted like what the religious teaching and i think um Sari was saying in the podcast when they started uh, when they started learning the Quran, um, the teacher was you know saying all the things you shouldn't do and basically shaming the students, and they mentioned that they don't think obviously they don't think that's the right way to teach, but interestingly, it's not what you understand, why you understand it that way, you know taking from real life examples, real life situations, more like this is right and this is wrong. This is how you can interpret it. This is how you definitely cannot interpret it. And doesn't teach comprehension for the self. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And I have a really not so great example of the kind of um, not even comprehension, but the kinds of rules that we were taught about Islam through the way through school through through my experiences learning Islamic studies at school um, we had textbooks um, though we were based in in the UAE we had textbooks from the US that actually stated um, trigger warning for transphobic content um, that stated that that had a picture of a gender non-conforming person um, and then being like, well, do you think that their adornment of makeup makes them look pretty? I don't think so. It's forbidden in the Quran. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So like comprehension. Yeah. But for context, um, both Nicole and Taylor's faces are like we're shocked. Yeah. yeah. Both of our mouths are wide open. Yeah. So angry right now. Yeah. So I just remember like people would be laughing at that image and like it was encouraged. Kids, right. Yeah. Like that's kind of like how else do you make sense of different so, like yeah. stuff that you have to read. Like you read it yeah. and you're like, okay. Yeah. 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 So like even when translations and like the meaning of the text is encouraged, like when you're supposed when learning about the text in your own language is encouraged. Um, or a language that you understand uh, is encouraged. Um, the meanings that are attributed are very black and white mm-hmm. and are very politically engaged in a bad way. That's kind of what I meant where, where I was like, I guess that goes in with the Arabization of Islam because I'm like, well, if you if you speak Arabic, right, and then you understand it and you're reading the text of the Quran, I think that's very different. You must have Mm -hmm. some sort of different interpretation. But anytime you're taught anything, right, like Catholic school, everything we were taught 
was from the perspective of the teachers, right? Anything you were talking about homophobia, it's not in the fucking, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Anywho, um, at least from what I know. It's not, you're right. It's Thank not. You. It's not in the fucking Bible. Um, homosexuality was added in 1947 pretty sure thank you yeah and I think sorry said it this this is the point I've been trying to get to in my brain sorry said it very well when they said I was taught religion based on religion and then I was taught to separate culture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was like that's what you need right because it's so like you know like and I think that's what I mean like the text and what what the Quran says mm-hmm. and saying that the Bible that's very different to the people who are teaching it to you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and when you're yeah. able to separate those two things you're able to be like these people are saying this to me but that's not actually what the Quran says like this isn't true mm-hmm. and I know that and I think it's really incredible that they grew up with that difference but also because they grew up in a multi-faith family mm-hmm. right um with parents who seem very cool um mm-hmm. but yeah I just thought it was really wonderful and I thought to go off of your comment um about the gross stuff in your textbook like then you have people like Sari's best friend who they knew would not have any question um about who Sari is and like would completely accept them right because this is a person who is like incredibly filled with faith and is like very very um close to her religion but like also knows that well enough to know that sorry is made in the form of god mm-hmm. and so obviously this is something that god wants mm-hmm. right so i just think that that was really important too to like focus on like you know a lot of the time we look at hyper like not hyper religious people sorry but like very religious people and we think like oh it's going to be so conservative but this just goes to show you that like if you actually know if you're able to contextualize what you're reading and what you're taught Mm-hmm. Um, then a lot of conservative people or a lot of people who you think might be conservative just because they're religious are not conservative. There's a difference. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I think you touched on a lot of really important points. And there's something that I, I've been thinking about recently. Um, and apologies to um, the person on Instagram who I saw this from. And then I do not remember your name. Uh, slash the account that I saw this on um but we follow each other so maybe you listen to this podcast um but a lot of people like like you're right we need to contextualize like where understandings and interpretations of faith come from mm-hmm. but I don't think there's such a clear distinction between religion and culture because like how else are we supposed to make sense of religion without a context in which to back it up slash to make sense of it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I think that for me instead of thinking religion and culture I I'm I'm just a lot more aware that my cultural experiences are the frames I use to interpret Mm -hmm. my religion Mm -hmm. and so if I if I know that, then I'm not taking my religious interpretation as the only interpretation because mm-hmm. I know that it's based on a very specific and personal experience or mm-hmm. set of experiences. Are you also then able to like look at maybe somebody else and like their beliefs and sort of be like, oh, well, this would be related to like the culture. Exactly. Because that, right? that's what I ultimately... I think a lot for me, the way that I think about it is because I grew up secularly and I'm not religious, but I think if you were like Taylor, that's how I would like to like look at it. Mm -hmm. I think it's also really important to think if you think in that lens, it's helpful because you restrict yourself from saying, you know, thinking that your 
way is right mm-hmm. or has more um, validity than somebody else's. Obviously, we're talking about, we're not talking about um, interpretations that cause violence, like on people. We, we're, we're talking about interpretations where one has the freedom to decide. Like everyone has the freedom to choose how they, what they believe, how they believe, how they make interpret the text so even if that person's interpretation like and I always come back to my grandma even if that person's interpretation to me is just super super flawed I can see and understand why she makes those interpretations because of her life experiences because Mm -hmm. of how she grew up because of her education and it's for me even more imperative than to encourage her to see that Hey, your life experiences, your cultural experiences, the Arabization of um, the teaching of the Quran is really a framework for how most people approach the book, approach the message, approach uh, the interpretation. And it comes down to the same thing. I Where was I? I... Oh, I was reading. So I've I've been reading this re- this uh, reformist uh, version of the Quran. It's very radical. Translation. Thank you. Reformist translation of the Quran. It's very radical. It's a little bit. Uh, I've, I I had Maha look at some of the notes. It's a little. It's very very argumentative. But um, somebody. One of the arguments is, you know, why are people? Why do people? You know, attempt to dress the same way that they think um, Prophet Muhammad dressed and how he behaved in, in, to, the, to the extent of colors and to the extent of you know, fabrics and all sorts of things, when you consider that this was a, a way of dress that's based in time, like it's, it's not mm-hmm. significant to the person at all, but it's significant to the place and the time. And to, to limit all other versions of dress right as non non-religious or not appropriate based on this religion is actually completely missing the point of the of diversity of human beings and the fact that prophet muhammad was not the only prophet who existed and did Mm -hmm. not come they did not all come from the same region so therefore they did not all look the same and did not all dress the same but that's the point it's it's if you focus only on one cultural interpretation one version that's valid and you see as valid and teach as valid aka the arabization of islamic uh texts then you're missing the whole you're missing the truth of diversity and the various ways that you can read and interpret texts because we are so diverse because there are so many different cultural lenses Mm -hmm. to to read from Mm -hmm. um yeah, and I think that kind of reminds me of something that Sari said. Um, they said that one religion, there's like one religion with multiple interpretations, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to expand on that a little bit to say that like, I think there's no one pure religion, mm-hmm. but every single interpretation is an interpretation exactly. and every way of practicing is therefore a religion or an expression of faith in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. yeah. So I grew up and my dad was like, listen, I don't care what religion you choose. I'm not religious, whatever. They, but like, he's like, they're all like Abrahamic, like all the Abrahamic religions. That's the ones I'm talking about. He's like, 
they're all, they're all from the same guy. There's different prophets and stuff, but like you have to respect it. They're all, it all comes from the same storyline. Right. So mm-hmm. like his thing was like, I do not understand why specifically Catholics have such like a weird thing. Like Jesus was a Jewish person. So why mm-hmm. did you have to go and create a whole different religion? <laughs> like, couldn't you just like continue on sort of thing? So mm-hmm. it's just like always coming back to like, most religions are different interpretations of different events that come from my understanding of essentially the same beginning. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I might be wrong because I haven't I really- mean, yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it's a lot easier to think about when you think of the Abrahamic religions because like- Yeah, those are the only ones I think you can pitch. They're all, you know, the stories are the same. It's the same God. Like that's just- It's the same God. Quite black. It's the same God. Um, your interpretation of what that God looks like probably Mm -hmm. will be different but it comes the story comes from the same god I think I though I've been trying to because and here's a this is a a a thing that I need to work on and I'm trying to work on so as I have more buy-in into the Quran and into its message I'm it almost comes with a uh like everything else is wrong, you know, like, like, it's almost, it's like, okay, I believe this, so that means everything else doesn't, isn't valid anymore, and then I have to check myself, and realize, like, I believe God shows themselves to every single human on this earth, which means every single human on this earth has, has had an opportunity uh, to build a relationship with God, whatever that looks like, just because it doesn't make sense to me and my understanding of how I should build a relationship with God doesn't mean that it doesn't exist because mm-hmm. God has created everything that we can uh, see and experience and imagine. God is in control, right? Mm-hmm. So I say this to say, I've been thinking a lot more about um, uh, a lot of indigenous uh, spiritual mm-hmm. practices and like how God is manifested in, you know, obviously relationships with the earth, relationships with the body, relationships with um, your intentions, like that's another thing. Um, But thinking beyond just, because the Quran is very, it, it, it can be, it can be used very, taken very literally, taken very like this followed, you know, very strictly and it misses, it's easy to miss the point which is this is God coming to one segment of the human population and God has come to every single segment of the human population if you believe the Quran so therefore how can this telling that's specific to this one segment not specific in the sense that irrelevant to everyone else but specific examples, ways of life, that specific region, those specific people. Exactly, exactly, exactly. exactly. So I'm trying to get out of my narcissism um, in the sense of, you know, this is the only way or this is the right way to practice, Um, but it's hard. It definitely Mm -hmm. is hard, especially when you have really heavy buy-in, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you're culturally or really spiritually in tune with it, with, (laughs) with the Quran, it's, it's, it's a, it's hard to see Quranic messages outside of the specific region of the world that it was um, revealed because that's not how it's taught. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah. So another thing that sorry said um, was that they're not necessarily a practicing Muslim, mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't like that we have to limit our relationship with Islam based off the idea that we're not Muslim enough. Mm. Um, like, what does that term practicing even mean? And like, by whose definition are you practicing? I think. The Inclusive Mosque based in the UK um, on Instagram, they shared a wonderful post called A Love Letter to Ramadan Muslims. Um, And I'm just going to pull it up and read it right here. And I'll also link it in the episode description. Um, Okay. This is a love letter to Ramadan Muslims. May your pragmatism be rewarded. May you get from this month what you need. May our engagement with Islamic rituals be dynamic, enriching, connective, and not a measurement of conviction, devotion, or how practicing we are. May the identity marker practicing get in the bin. May we start seeing each other for our impact, our efforts, and our intentions during Ramadan and the whole year round, and everything we do beyond fasting, praying, and going to the mosque. Amen. What if we left behind the adolescent notion that people who only engage in rituals during Ramadan are somehow less? Less what? Less committed, less thoughtful, less engaged, less heard by Allah. Here's to Ramadan Muslims who show up this month and whom we may not see again for a while after. You are enough and your efforts are seen and valued. Image, oh, that's the image description. <laughs> so, Sorry, I started snapping halfway through because I was like, I'm going to be like, oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. No, that was, that was awesome. And I think it speaks to the point. Practicing really should only mean you know if you are a muslim you're a person who seeks who wants to submit to god so you do that how you and god how god has guided you to do that that could mean activism that could mean like like political activism that could mean uh building up your community that could mean even uh, like meditation right like Mm. that could be working on your mental health that could be valuing your body like there's so many ways to practice as a muslim Mm -hmm. if you take seriously that god is the creator of everything which Mm -hmm. means every single impact that you have exactly is god it, it brings you closer to god it's meaningful because it's if it's good right Mm -hmm. if you're doing good if you're aiming to reduce oppression care for our earth all the things that we know that we need right now that's like what sorry said right um as long as you're not hurting yourself or other people exactly so you know i think maybe we should come back to the idea that to just to, to be a muslim is to be one who submits to god and if we recognize that god the creator of the whole universe is in and around all of us and everything that we engage with, then maybe our practices to submit to God, to be closer to God can, can be less um, rigid. Yeah. can be less rigid. It can be less. Yeah. Okay. You can pray. Like you can pray, you can fast, but just because a person is a stereotypical practicing Muslim, quote unquote, you know, they do all the things you think a good Muslim would do, doesn't mean that they are any closer to God than you are, mm-hmm. like at all. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I really, sorry, this is like a segue into something that Zari, or Sari had said, um, focusing on going to heaven and hell can fuck with your mental health because <laughs> truly that's what fucked me up in high school, right? Is mm-hmm. that I went to Catholic school, I am gay, 
Um, and I was quite literally told by multiple profs, I wasn't out obviously, and by teachers that being gay is a sin and you're going to go to hell. So that doesn't make me want to become closer to something like to God, essentially, this was my experience, didn't make me want to find God or become closer to him because I'm going to hell. And so focusing on going to heaven or hell, like you can't, it's kind of like the good place. Like Mm -hmm. that's, you can't equate your good and bad points. Like that's not how you get into quote unquote heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think that like, I really appreciated that Sari was like, I'm not focusing on it because like truly, it fucks you up. And I just, yeah, I really, I appreciate it that they said like, I'm valid as long as I feel valid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to learn how to pull dance like Lil Nas, but that's all I have to say about health. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good pole dancer. Have you seen that music video yet? No. It's fucking incredible. But I've seen gifts. You don't watch it if you don't want to, but incredible pole dancer. What's the name of the song? Uh, it's Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Um, and then he like Nike is like suing him. Why? Oh, the um, double shoes? Just, yeah, for the double shoes. The Satan shoes? What yeah. was up with that? I well, it was like an entire speak on like being growing up like religious and being told you're going to hell and then being like, fuck it. Like, you know what? Maybe the serpent in my garden is a gay man because I'm gay and that's what I'm gonna fall for. So fuck you, I'll go to hell and I'll become the devil and I'll take over. It's a really cool music video. Oh, it's really good. And he like, like that scares it. me though. Pardon? Shit like that scares me. Like I'm a little bit too. <laughs> it's like very yeah. I guess that's I guess that's fair. It's like very aesthetically pleasing. It's very well done. Um, mm-hmm. but it is very sacrilege. So <laughs> yeah, anybody who's serious about you know not bringing Satan into their lives, I don't know. Sorry, I like Lil Nas X, but I haven't seen I haven't seen the video. It's a really good music video, but I digress. Sorry that this, um, it, my conversation about going to heaven or hell has landed me in talking about this music video, but I really want to do poll and I truly, most of it goes to Lil Nas X because he's so good at it. <laughs> and like, speaking of more existential things, um, I've been reading uh, Omid Safi's, um, I forgot what the book is called, Radical Love. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Radical Notes love. on like Islamic spirituality. Yeah. Notes on the Islamic mystic tradition. Yeah. Um, so we'll put the proper title in the episode description. And they also have a podcast, um, which we will link as well, um, where they talk about the mystic tradition um, and how radical love is so central to um, God and like, the very creation of all beings and like how God was just so consumed with this radical love that they created us to love and for us to love them. Isn't God radical love? This yeah. is what I'm confused about. Isn't God radical love? Mm-hmm. So like, why isn't that just the message everyone gets? Like, I, you know, God is supposed to be what's there for you always and is always there for you so like I just I think like for me it's like a really big thing where like if you're reading this and like you're hearing that don't listen to the people who say anything else because that's not true about God right like Mm -hmm. God knows you and your relationship with God is your own um 
And yeah, and it just fucks me up. God like is radical love. And that is like the community we're literally trying to search for. And it just fucks me up that it just doesn't exist because if you're following God, you would think that that is what happens. Anyhow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the um, Omid Safi talks about like how God is the source of love and like our existence is because of God's love and God's love is generative and creative and explosive and really cool. So I recommend people check out the podcast and the book if you are interested in more less conventional Sunni understandings of the Quran. Thanks for listening to another episode of Queer Muslim Resistance, a podcast from Oprah Kingston. This would not be possible without the help of our lovely volunteers, Abrar and Aram. Thank you for your time and support. As always, you can find relevant links in the episode description. Make sure to check us out on Instagram for links to our Queer Muslim Resource Guide, to sign up for Tarif, a Queer Muslim reading group, and for awesome Queer Muslim content in general. If you like who we are and what we do, please do consider supporting us financially on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash queermuslimresistance, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash queermuslimresistance for more information. You can email us at queermuslimresistance at gmail.com for any inquiries, additional resources you'd like to see added to the resource guide, or just to say hi. 